Disclaimer, Campfire Stories is an offshoot of Station 13. It features similar themes such as dismemberment, homicide, body gore, swearing, and generally unnerving vibes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Campfire Stories. My name is Void, and I'll be your perturbed host for this evening. Now I know this is not at all what you're used to, but I wanted to bring a little campfire spirit back into the world. So for Campfire Stories, we will be going about this a little differently. Instead of sharing write-ins from my station that I have dug from its grave, I will be sharing write-ins and call-ins from my cast and even myself from our teenage years. Campfire Stories will be posted once a month to our Patreon for members $5 and up, starting officially when we get our first patron. I do plan on making these quite long, but I figure for our little main feed preview, I'll do what I can while preserving my sanity. So do forgive me if this episode isn't as long as the future ones will be. What inspired Campfire Stories, you may ask? Well... That's a slightly interesting story. You see, when I was little, my mother would send me to Blackwater Summer Camp every summer from June to August. Of course, when I was seven, I just assumed I had worn her down enough to let me have some freedom. But oh boy, was I far from correct. Every time I returned from Blackwater, I'd walk through the front door of a new home where my room would be waiting, meticulously put together to look exactly like the one I had left. I didn't really get it as a kid. Why'd we return to a home, an address I had never stepped foot in before? But I gotta go to camp, so I was never really angry at having to learn the new address. I mean, I met Garth at camp, and over the years we dubbed it Camp Cryptid, and he'd make our cabin shirts themed around the new creatures he'd come across each year. It seems now, as an adult, I understand the changing houses and how camp was a godsend to my mother. If you've taken your time and listened to Station 13, you may be aware that my father left us when I was around five years old to join a cult. After reading his letters, it seems my mom viewed Blackwater as a way to hide me away for a few months and move somewhere he couldn't find us. I will give her credit for this idea, as she did it in a way that would only impact my life slightly. I'm also happy to say it worked out in more ways than one. I got to make lifelong friendships and discover my love of nature and broadcast radio, and not once did I have to deal with my insane father. This is where my love for horror stories truly came from, if I'm being totally honest. So, for this month's episode of Campfire Stories, I will be sharing some of the ones I heard first, some from fellow campers, and we even have a story sent in by Garth. For now, let's get started, shall we? This first story was told to me by a camp counselor my first year attending Camp Cryptid, and it has sat with me for over 20 years. I do hate to disappoint but it's not that scary. 
But who says all campfire stories have to be? Let's relive my childhood. Shall we? Once upon a time, nestled between thick woods and mist-covered mountains, there was a camp and an old legend that circulated among the campers. They spoke of a creature that lurked in the shadows, a beast with eyes that glowed like embers and a screech that echoed through the trees. They called it the Jack Bear. As the legends go, the Jack Bear only appeared when the moons were full, emerging from the depths of an ancient forest to hunt for unsuspecting prey. Some claimed it was a cursed soul seeking revenge, while others believed it was a guardian spirit, protecting the secrets hidden in the heart of the woods. One fateful night, a group of counselors gathered around a crackling campfire at the edge of Camp Blackwater. The flames danced to the rhythm of their laughter as they roasted marshmallows and shared ghost stories. Among them was Alex, the curious and adventurous one always eager to explore the mysteries that surrounded the camp. As the night deepened and the moon climbed the sky, casting an eerie glow on the surroundings, the friends heard a distant screech that sent shivers down their spines. The wind whispered through the trees, carrying with it an otherworldly chill. Ignoring that uneasy feeling, Alex suggested they venture into the woods to investigate the legend of the Jack Bear. The fellow counselors hesitated, but, fueled by curiosity and the thrill of adventure, set out into the dark, dense forest, armed with flashlights and bravery. The deeper they delved into the ancient trees, the heavier the atmosphere grew, and strange sounds began to echo around them. Without warning, their flashlights flickered and died, plunging them into darkness. But before fear could consume them, the group saw two glowing embers in the distance. Emerging from the shadows, they bore witness to a massive creature with fur as black as night, antlers akin to tree branches, and eyes that burned like dying embers. Its low growl echoed through the trees as it circled the group, but instead of attacking, the creature seemed to be guiding them. Following this mysterious guardian, the friends reached a hidden grove where the moonlight revealed an ancient altar covered in moss and symbols. The jack bear let out a haunting screech, and as the echoes faded, the friends felt a strange energy in the air. In that moment, they realized the legend was not one of fear, but of protection. The Jack Bear, a misunderstood guardian, had led them to the heart of the woods, revealing the secrets of a long-forgotten pact between the camp and the beings that dwelled within it. As the first light of dawn touched the horizon, the Jack Bear vanished into the shadows, and the counselors returned to camp with a story of wonder. So if you ever see a giant creature in the woods when you find yourself lost, wandering, with wondrous horns and glowing eyes, give it a follow and maybe see where it leads. This story may not be the scariest I'll share tonight, 
but it was the first story my counselor, Amory, shared with us, and it stuck with me since. Of course, the story was swiftly followed the night after by counselor Aaron's tale of woe. Gather around, children, and draw close to the warmth of the campfire, for I have a tale that will chill you to the bone. In the small, forgotten town of Harrow's End, nestled deep within a forbidden forest, there was a legend that spoke of a creature most horrifying. The Wraith of Whispering Pines. Legend has it that the Wraith, a vengeful spirit, prowled these dense woods seeking those who dared to enter its domain. It was said to be a faceless specter, cloaked in shadows with eyes that were as hollow as its soul. Its haunting wails would echo through the trees, causing a shiver to crawl down the spine of anyone unfortunate enough to hear them. Late one autumn night, a group of friends decided to camp at the edge of this forbidden forest, ignorant to the eerie tales that surrounded the area. They laughed and exchanged stories as they set up their camp, oblivious to the darkness that lurked just beyond the tree line. As night wore on, the wind whispered through the branches, and the temperature dropped to an unnatural chill. Their fire crackled, casting dancing shadows that seemed to come alive in the starlight. Unbeknownst to the group, the wraith of Whispering Pines had awoken at their presence. Suddenly, the jovial atmosphere turned on a dime, and strange noises began to fill the air. Unearthly footsteps, distant whispers, and the chilling moans of the wraith. Tension set in as the group huddled closer to the dwindling fire, casting worried glances into the darkness of the forest. One by one, the friends were dragged into that darkness, their terrified screams echoing through the night, drowned out by the malevolent cry of the wraith. The few who remained sat paralyzed with fear and could only watch as their companions were swallowed one by one into the shadows. With each passing breath, the fire dimmed further, leaving the remaining few in near-complete darkness. The air grew thick with an otherworldly presence and the wraith materialized before them. A faceless, ethereal figure with eyes that rivaled the darkness of night. As it drew closer, the survivors could feel the icy grip of this wrath tightening around their hearts. However, just when all hope seemed lost, an altar bell tolled in the distance. The wraith recoiled, its unearthly form dissipating like smoke on the wind. The survivors, trembling and traumatized, stumbled out of the accursed forest, forever haunted by the night they crossed paths with the wraith of whispering pines. From that day forth, the legend of the faceless specter served as a warning to those who dared to venture too close to the darkness that dwelled within the heart of Harrow's End. While our woods may be safe, 
Never travel too far into those unfamiliar. With that warning in mind, I think it's time I share Garth's story with you all. Let's have a listen to what my camp buddy has in store for us. I've learned many lessons in my life, one of the most important being there are some things better left unsaid. For instance, if you find an ominous poem carved into a tree with a blood-drawn symbol just below it, you probably shouldn't read those words out loud. But when that happened to me, I was young, dumb, and this is what happened. When I was a child, I didn't have many friends. Surprising, I know. My one friend, Void, was occupied with packing for our yearly summer camp extravaganza that was starting in a couple of weeks, so on this night, I was alone and bored. What does a child do when they are alone and bored? Go into the woods looking for animal bones, of course. I hugged my mother and told her I would be back soon, walked quietly past my father, napping in his chair, and headed out the door. It was a humid night. The smell of rain from earlier that day hung faintly in the air. The crickets were loud, and I could see the faint outline of a full moon in the sky as the sun was setting. As I got to the tree line, I dug my flashlight out of my bag and swung the pack back over my shoulder. The leaves rustled beneath my feet, and I noticed that the farther I went into the woods, the quieter the crickets got. I found this odd at the time, but not odd enough to turn back. I hiked for a while, and before I knew it, I had come upon the lake. I found a half-eaten fish lying by the edge of the water, thought about it, and decided against taking it home. Last time I had done that, my mother complained about the smell for weeks. I surveyed the rest of the shore, saw nothing of interest, and decided to head home. By this time, the sun had sunk entirely, and the moon was higher in the sky. It was at this point that I noticed the heavy silence that had settled around me. No crickets, no animal noises. Only the sounds of my footsteps, my breathing, and the lapping of the water on the rocks. A bit unnerved, I turned and swung my flashlight around, searching for the path back. I quickly found it, but before I could take a step toward it, I heard a branch snap behind me. Startled, I swung myself around. My flashlight landed on a bunny that was hopping away into the thick brush along the other side of the lake. I laughed to myself, a bit embarrassed to have been startled by a creature so small and cute. I held my flashlight on that area for a few moments longer, hoping to see the bunny again. Instead of the rabbit, I saw a dull red circle on one of the trees. Being disappointed at finding no animal bones for my collection, I decided to investigate. I wanted something interesting to happen tonight, otherwise I'd walked all this way for nothing. I climbed over a fallen tree, struggled past the overgrowth, and on the tree I saw not only a strange red circle, but a poem carved above it. With the light of the moon and ink from the lake, I pray that the beast arise and take my soul to the depths to float below, down where no other human can go. I read the poem a couple of times, trying to figure out why anyone would put such a thing here. As far as I knew, there were no local legends of a lake beast, but if there were a lake beast, it would probably have some spare animal bones that I could take home. I cleared my throat and began to read the poem out loud. <clears throat> With the light of the moon and ink from the lake, a light breeze began to blow through the trees. I pray that the beast arise and take. I heard the lapping of the water on the rocks begin to grow louder. My soul to the depths to float below. The lake began to bubble, down where no other human can go. As I finished the poem, the symbol began to ooze a bright red liquid that I could only assume was blood. The lake bubbled, and a horrible screeching sound was coming from the very center of it. As I stepped closer to the edge of the lake, I saw a thick black tentacle that ended in a hooked claw slowly arise out of the water. I was expecting a much smaller lake beast, considering this was just a small lake, but whatever this was was huge. Looking back at it now, I'm guessing that some sort of otherworldly portal was opened at the bottom for the beast to come through. As the tentacle reached into the sky and the lake water began to turn black, I ran. 
I sprinted through the overgrowth, scraping my legs in the process, tripped over the fallen tree, and took off into the woods in the direction of the trail home. Behind me, I heard trees breaking and falling and more of that awful, skeleton-shaking screeching. I wanted to turn around to see how close it was, but I was worried that if I did, I would fall and it would surely drag me down below. My hair stuck to my head with sweat. My chest began to burn as I heaved breath after breath. I could hear something snaking its way behind me, and it seemed like it was growing closer. Just as I feared that all hope was lost, I saw the break of the tree line ahead. I half sobbed and half laughed as I sprinted towards it. The crickets were starting to get louder as I neared the edge of the woods. I could hear dogs barking and cars driving by on my small road in the distance. With one final screech, the creature reached for me and its claw caught my shoe. Thinking quickly, I shook it off and ran half barefoot out of the woods and into the streetlights. I whipped around just in time to see the tentacle retreat back into the woods. Panting heavily, sweat and tears staining my face, I began to walk back home. When I arrived, my mother ran to pick me up and sobbed with relief as she scolded me for being out so late. Apparently, I had lost time while in the woods. I thought it would have been around eight, but it was now close to midnight. She looked me over and asked what had happened to my other shoe. I told her I had fallen in the woods, and she concluded that I must have hit my head and passed out. She took me to bed, and the next morning, everything was back to normal. Two weeks later, when it was time for camp, I refused to go anywhere near the lake for the first few days. Not until I could inspect every tree around its perimeter to ensure that no ominous red symbols or poems were carved into them. To this day, I now buy my animal bones online. It's much safer than going searching in the woods myself. Ah, to stick with the theme, I myself also have an eldritch story from one of the years Garth couldn't make it to camp. Hmm, better share it now while we're on a roll. The night was thick with an impenetrable mist, the kind that only exists deep in the heart of the untamed woods. Some counselors and I a group of adventurous souls seeking a break from the humdrum of our normal camp activities, had set up camp near the edge of a forest that seemed to swallow the moonlight whole. Little did we know that night would mark the beginning of a harrowing encounter with an eldritch horror beyond our wildest nightmares. Around the campfire, shadows danced in twisted patterns, flickering with an unnatural intensity. I remember wishing Garth could have made it. It would have been our first year as counselors, after all. The flames crackled, casting an eerie glow on our faces, as those that could make it shared stories and laughter. The wind whispered through the trees, and every rustle seemed to echo with a disconcerting resonance. As the night progressed, a sense of unease settled upon our camp like a heavy fog. The woods became silent, as if nature itself held its breath. We dismissed the creeping feeling as a byproduct of our overreactive imaginations, attributing it to the isolation and unfamiliarity of this section of wilderness. We were never allowed this far out into the woods before. But then, the first sign of a being that would haunt our nightmares began. Strange symbols appeared on the tree trunks around our camp, glowing with an otherworldly luminescence. Nervous laughter turned to hushed whispers as we exchanged uneasy glances. In the midst of the growing tension, a low, guttural growl echoed through the trees. We strained our ears, trying to dismiss it as a trick of the wind, but the sound persisted 
Growing closer with each passing moment, shadows seem to detach themselves from the surrounding darkness, slithering toward us like serpents in the grass. Panic set in as we fumbled for our flashlights, their beams revealing twisted, indescribable shapes lurking just beyond the firelight. The air became charged with some otherworldly energy, and the woods seemed to warp and contort, defying the laws of nature. Then, it revealed itself. A nightmarish amalgamation of shifting shadows and writhing tendrils. Its form defied logic, bending and twisting in ways that made my mind reel. Malevolent eyes, pools of cosmic darkness locked onto us, freezing our very souls. A cacophony of nightmarish whispers filled the air, each word a twisted fragment of forgotten languages. It seemed to probe the depths of our minds, unraveling our fears and projecting them into the shifting shadows that surrounded us. As it advanced on us, our attempts to flee were futile. Trees sprouted tendrils that ensnared us, and the very ground seemed to betray our footsteps. Desperation hung in the air, and the realization dawned upon us that we were at the mercy of a force beyond our comprehension. In a final act of defiance, we mustered the courage to confront the eldritch beast. We spoke words of ancient lore, fragments of forgotten incantations meant to banish such beings. Words learned through classes we thought were useless. The air cackled with a blinding energy as the being recoiled, its form contorting in agony. And with a deafening roar, the eldritch beast shrunk into the shadows from whence it came. The symbols on the trees faded, and the unnatural stillness of the woods lifted. We were left breathless, battered and bruised, but alive, surrounded by the echoes of an encounter with a horror that defied reason. As we sat around the dying embers of the campfire, the forest slowly regained its natural rhythm. The night, once filled with terror, turned silent, save for the sounds of the wind and the distant hoot of an owl. We packed up our camp in a daze as soon as the first hints of dawn appeared and headed back to Blackwater. The wilderness surrounding the camp's boundary, once a place of escape and adventure, now held a shadowy secret, one that would linger in the corners of my mind, emerging in the flickering shadows of future campfires, as a tale of the night we faced an eldritch horror beneath the ancient canopy of the untamed woods, just past the boundaries of camp. Some of the older camp counselors even joked that we had passed our first real test as teenagers, each one having their own odd tale from their first year as counselor. I did really wish Garth had been there for that one, as it probably would have saved him from his own miserable first year as a counselor. But I think we'll tell you that one next time. For now, why don't I tell you some stories the campers would share? They aren't always scary, 
but I remember being quite taken with them when I was a teen. Let's see how much I remember. We'll start with a story told by one of my favorite campers, Lily. I remember her even asking us not to be too scared. Remember guys, these stories were by 8 and 12 year olds, and I'm reading them in third person. So be lenient with me, please. So, one night, Lily and her friends went camping in the dark, dark woods. They had marshmallows and a big fire, just like they always did. But then, they heard this creaky sound, like an old door opening, but there was no door around. Lily said, Did you hear that? And her friend Tommy said, It's just the wind, Lily. But it didn't sound like the wind. It had sounded like footsteps. Really slow ones. But she wasn't going to let a little scare stop her from telling her story. So they kept sitting around the fire. But then the shadows started moving weird. Lily thought she saw a shadow that wasn't from a tree or a bush. In her words, it was like a sneaky shadow with eyes. She told her friends, Maybe there's a ghost around. Then, out of the darkness, this creepy figure stepped into the firelight. It was tall and thin, and its face was all dark. Lily whispered, Guys, do you see that? And they all held their breath. The figure started talking in a whisper like the leaves rustling. It said, I am the Nightwalker, and I wander these woods. Beware, little campers, for the night holds secrets darker than shadows. They were scared, but Lily remembered her big brother telling her that sometimes scary things are just pretend. So she said, Mr. Nightwalker, are you here to tell us a spooky story too? The Nightwalker nodded, and he started telling them about an old forgotten cabin deep in the woods. He said, If you ever find the cabin, never go inside, for the ghosts of lost stories dwell there, waiting for someone to listen. And just when they thought the Nightwalker was going to be scary, he vanished into thin air, leaving behind a chilly breeze. According to her, they were all like, Whoa, that was cool! They stayed up a little longer, not too scared anymore, and told more stories until the fire turned into a bunch of glowing embers. But as they went to bed in their tents, they heard the creaky sound again, like the old door closing this time. The group all whispered, Good night, Nightwalker just in case he was still wandering out there. The next morning, she claims they found a pile of pretty leaves by their tents, like a thank you from the Nightwalker. Now I do have to break the illusion of this one a bit, as yes, our world is full of oddities, but I'm also 99% sure Lily's group of campers were close to the janitor's cabin, and it seems like they wanted to play along with the group's shenanigans. Though, I have tried to tell them they should probably throw some WD-40 on their door hinges. <laughs> anyway, one more before we call it a night. 
This story was shared by Jake, who was 12 at the time. He was one of my last campers before I turned 18 and had to go to college. This story was originally told first person, like the one prior, so again, please bear with me. So, as the story goes, Jake and their buddies decided to camp out in the woods near Old Hollow Grove, the kind of place where legends go to die. They had set up their tents and started the fire, swapping scary stories like it was some kind of ritual. But there was this one friend, Eric, who claimed he knew the scariest tale of them all, said it was about the crypt of Old Hollow. Now, Jay claimed he wasn't superstitious, but the way his friend told the tale it had even had him checking his back. Legend had it, the crypt was once a regular man who got lost in the woods. His thirst for adventure led him deep, too deep, and he stumbled upon an ancient burial ground. He disturbed the spirits there, and they cursed him to roam the woods forever as a crypt. So, there they were, under the stars with the fire casting shadows that danced like ghosts. Eric kept weaving his tail, his voice low and serious. He said that if you hear the sound of rattling bones in the dead of night, the crypt is near. And if you see a pair of glowing eyes, well, you better start praying. Jake claims they were all half laughing, half terrified, when suddenly they heard it. The faint grinding of bones. They froze, staring into the darkness, the fire flickering as if the very air was afraid. But then Eric bursted out laughing, saying it was just a prank. He had hidden a Bluetooth speaker in the bushes, playing those unnerving sounds. Relief and anger had washed over them, but that's when they saw it. Two glowing eyes staring at them from the edge of the firelight. This wasn't a prank, and the group had fell silent. And that's when they heard the whispers. Words shrouded by a voice from their nightmares. The fire began to dance wildly, casting eerie shadows that twisted like tortured souls. The temperature dropped and they were hit with this bone-chilling fear. Suddenly, Jake said, the crip stepped into the light. It was like a shadow, all twisted and contorted, with those glowing eyes fixed on them. He swears his heart stopped for a beat. They were face to face with the cursed wanderer. Eric went white as a sheet and he whispered, This ain't no prank, guys. The crypt, or whatever it was, raised a decrepit hand, pointed deeper into the woods. Its bone creaked and it scuttled back into the darkness. After that, Jake said they didn't waste a second grabbed their stuff and booked it out of there, leaving the campfire burning like a beacon for the nightmare in the woods. He says they never looked back, but swears they heard it scuttling behind them, following in them until they were clear of Old Hollow Grove. Jake ended the story by warning the lot of us to steer clear of Old Hollow, and that not all legends are just tales. Of course, I don't believe most of us are too worried about finding ourselves in Old Hollow, Florida. 
as most of us are from Upper Illinois and various places around Wisconsin. We have our own share of grips here from back during the logging craze. All right, everyone, I have grown weary, and as the night air grows colder, I believe it is time I call it a night and head inside. May you all have, or have had, a lovely holiday, and I'll see you all in January for a very special episode of Station 13. May your campfire stay lit and your food remain safe from bears. Thank you for listening to Station 13 Campfire Stories, Episode 1. If you enjoyed your time here around the campfire, why not join us on our Patreon and indulge in one new episode each month, free of commercials and promotions. Our goal is to make future Campfire Stories episodes an hour or longer, and patrons will get exclusive chances to have their Campfire Stories shared maybe even getting to join Void herself around the fire. For now, enjoy your night, and we'll see you next time. Links can be found in the episode description.